lesson on this Ash Wednesday comes from the Gospel of John, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you this evening, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool uh, when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up. Take your mat and walk. And at once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and he began to walk. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. When I was in fourth grade, I had a classmate named Martin Edinger. I maybe have told you about Martin before. Martin was the outcast in our fourth grade class. In fact, I hate to say it, but he was bullied a lot by the other people in our class. They made fun of him for all sorts of things, for the clothes he wore, for his haircut, for lots of different things. And they also made fun of him because he asked too many questions. Every single Friday, we would have a math quiz, and our teacher would say, questions, comments, concerns, quiz. And that's how we knew we were about to have a quiz. And when she would ask, say the word questions, Martin would raise his hand and he would ask what seemed like 10 or 15 or more questions. And everybody would laugh at Martin because of all the questions he asked. Finally, after all the bullying and picking on him, Martin finally got the clue that people were making fun of him and they wanted him to stop. And so one Friday, our teacher asked that question, questions, comments, concerns, quiz, and Martin kept his head down, didn't ask a thing. So she passed out the quiz, and we all took the quiz together. And that next Monday morning, we came in, and she had all the quizzes in her hand. And she ripped them up right in front of us, and she said, over half of you failed this quiz. She said, I have a feeling that more of you have questions than just Martin. Martin's the only one that had the courage to ask. And she taught us in those moments how important it was to ask questions when we didn't know what we needed to learn. Sometimes we've been taught that we're not supposed to ask questions. Maybe that it's impolite to ask questions, or maybe we're scared to ask questions. Maybe that we're worried what the answer might be. But asking questions is an essential part of what it means to be human. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And it's an essential part of our faith as well. 
We ask questions all the time about who God is and who God calls us to be. And there are lots of different questions that we're still searching for answers for, hoping with faith that God will give us the answers to those questions. Believe it or not, even Jesus Christ asked questions from time to time. And as Mary said in the children's moment, over the season of Lent, each of the Sundays, we're going to look at some of the questions that Jesus asked, not only modeling for us what we should be, what kind of questions we should be asking, but also maybe finding some of those answers and finding some of the answers to the other questions, maybe even some of the questions that you asked tonight. Jesus asked questions of his disciples to teach them. He asked questions of his opponents to try to challenge them. And he even, believe it or not, from time to time, even asked questions of God. Tonight, we're going to start with this first question from this little passage from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. And I don't know if you heard that question that Jesus asked in the midst of the passage, but it seems almost like a a sarcastic question to me, almost like a silly question in the midst of what Jesus is seeing there. Jesus has come to Jerusalem in the midst of a Jewish festival. And in the, the city of Jerusalem, there was an area, I tried to pronounce it really well, it's called Bethzatha. I'll try to pronounce it there in, as well as I can. Beth Zatha. It was an area there right near one of the outer walls of Jerusalem. And in the midst of this little area of Beth Zatha, there was a very special pool, probably that had a spring underneath it that, that bubbled up from time to time. It was deep enough that people could swim in it. And, and the people of Jerusalem believed, Jerusalem believed that this pool had miraculous powers. There were even some people that thought that God's angels would come and stir up the water and cause those little bubbles to come up. And when you saw those bubbles, if you were the first person to dive in and swim in in those bubbles, that you could be healed of any disease or any infirmity that you might have. And so this pool was surrounded by people who were blind and lame and and hurting, maybe had leprosy, had all kinds of diseases. They were all surrounded or surrounding this pool. And that's where Jesus goes in our story. When he goes to visit Jerusalem, he goes to this pool where all these people are in need. And of all those people that he sees, he sees one person in particular, a man who has been lame and, and, and had some sort of disability, we don't know exactly what, for over 38 years. Now just to put that in perspective, Pastor Trinity is 35 years old. I'm sorry, 34. I'm in trouble for that, my goodness. So this person was lame, was, was, had a disability for a longer period of time than Trinity has been alive. And Jesus looks at him and asks what seems like a sarcastic question. Do you want to be healed? But maybe just maybe that's not really a fair interpretation of that. Uh, William Barclay, who's the famous New Testament theologian from years ago, would say, actually, maybe what Jesus is asking here is, have you given up? Have you given up hope? Do you still have hope? that you can be healed after 38 years of sitting by this pool. That question makes a little more sense to me because from time to time, I've seen people in life who are feeling despair, who have been through so much, and without a doubt, they've started to give up. They don't believe that miracles like that are possible anymore. I have to tell you that I've even been in that situation in my own life, and it didn't take 38 years for me to get there. 
Some of you might know this. I think I've told some of you before, but right after seminary and right after I finished some of my internships, I was unemployed for about a year. I had worked really hard, gotten through seminary, done all of my requirements, but I couldn't get hired. I was doing everything I possibly could, sending my resumes out to churches, calling people I knew, trying to make connections with people, but no one seemed interested in me. I was praying and asking God to show me the way, hoping and believing that God had some sort of plan for me, and yet nothing. My parents were really paying most of my bills. I was feeling pretty downhearted about myself, and I had people from time to time after that year who would come up to me and say, just keep praying, just keep hoping. But after a while, just one year, it got pretty tiring. I got to a point where I went and told my parents, I'm not really sure, maybe I'm not supposed to be a minister. I finally had one friend who came up to me and said, Brad, you just have to keep praying, just keep asking God to show you the way. And I said these words, I'm all prayed out. Have you ever been in a situation like that before where you feel like you're all prayed out? Luckily, that friend of mine responded, well, then I will keep praying for you. And I'm thankful that that friend did. But I can only imagine that this man, that was just after one year, this man had been like this for 38 years. How in the world could he hold on to hope? How in the world could he still believe that healing was even possible? But for whatever reason, whatever his answer was, he answered as Jesus wanted him to. Because Jesus said, get up, take your mat, and walk. And without even diving into that water, the man was healed just like that. That question that Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? Do you still have hope that you can be healed? He said, of course I want to be healed. Even now, I want to be healed. And that's what God calls us tonight to answer that question to. God asks that question of us each and every day. Do you still have hope? Do you still believe you can be healed? There are lots of of different reasons in this world that this world gives us to, to let go of that hope, to let go of that question, to answer and say, no, I believe it's too far gone. This world is too far, excuse me, too far broken, that that this world is too full of despair. We've got viruses that are surrounding the world that we can't control. There are people and families that are torn apart. There are are friends that won't even talk to each other because of politics and division. There's so much in this world that we can't control that is beyond us. Diseases that we can't cure. And it's easy for us to look at all of those things, to look at all of those reasons and say, I'm all prayed out. I can't do it anymore. I've given up. And yet, God calls us to, even with those doubts, even with those questions, to continue again and again and again to turn to God, to ask God those questions again and again and again, and never, ever give up, even after 38 years, even after a lifetime. And maybe you know some people like that who time and time again, in spite of all of those odds, seem to keep holding on to hope in spite of all the reasons that the world gives us to to let go and give up. A friend of mine who's a minister shared with me this story and she gave me permission to share it with you. She was visiting a couple in her church, an, an older couple who were retired. Their names were Alice and Bill. And she went over to their house to have dinner and they, they told her this story about their life, how they had a son, a son named William, who when he was a child, he was a beautiful little boy just like 
many of our children here, but as he grew up and became a teenager, they started to be at odds with one another. They started to fight parents and their child more and more. He started to break rules and skip curfew and go out late at night and, and not come home. And, and finally, one day after school, William didn't come home. A few hours turned into a few days, and they started to wonder what in the world happened to him. They started to search for him wherever they could, but William still never came home. Every night, they would go out onto the front porch and flip that light on and hope that William would come back, hope that this would be the night that he would come home, but he never, ever came. Those days and those weeks turned into years, and they realized that maybe William wasn't coming home. From time to time, they would actually get a note from him with no forwarding of dress, of course, but it would say, Mom and Dad, I'm fine. I'm not coming home. Just wanted you to know I'm still, still doing okay. But they would still hold on to hope, hoping and praying that he would come home. But finally, she, my friend, the minister, was sitting there with them, and it was some 50 years later. And Alice, who was the mom, who was the realist in the family, says, I know we'll never see him again. So my friend, the minister, closed the night saying a little prayer with them and they walked out onto the front porch and she walked out there with Bill who showed her to her car. And before they walked out, he flipped that light on on the porch again. And he just smiled and said, you know, after all these years, I can't sleep if this light is not on. I still have to hold on to hope. That's what Christ calls us to do, no matter how many doubts we might have, no matter how much the world tells us to give up and to give in. Christ calls us to hold on to that hope, to continue to believe, to continue, even with our doubts and even with our questions, to believe that miracles are possible, that God gives them to us day after day after day. And if you just need a reminder of that, well, that's what we're here tonight to remember. Tonight, you're going to come forward and you're going to put some ashes on your, on your forehead. You'll have the chance to do that uh, to the people around you, too. And we look at those ashes, and as I said before, we're supposed to look at those ashes and remember that we are ashes and dust, that we would be nothing without God. But I look at those ashes, and then I compare them to myself. And it really makes me think of what a miracle this life is. That if it weren't for God, if it weren't for God's love, I would just be these little ashes with no meaning, no purpose, no life. But because of God, I'm a miracle. Because of God, I'm more than ashes and dust. Because of God, there are countless miracles around us every single day. Yes, of course we have reasons to let go, to give up, and to give in and despair. But tonight, when you look at those ashes, I hope you will remember that God provides us miracles every single day. That you yourself are a miracle. And so that we should hold on to hope in spite of all the reasons not to. Hold on again and again and again, even with our doubts, even with our questions. Hold on to the hope of God. So that when God asks us, can you be made well? Do you want to be made well? Or have you given up? You can say undoubtedly, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Thanks be to God for God's miracle and God's love. Amen.